0: So before we get into anything in this video, I just want to quickly shout out the Atlanta Braves for winning the 2021 World Series over the Houston Astros. America sincerely thanks you. Uh, no one expected Atlanta to win at the beginning of the playoffs and they went on a magical run. Congratulations to Frederick. Congratulations to you know everyone that really made that run magical and awesome. So congratulations for the Atlanta Braves, but I am coming to you. As a Yankee fan in this video, and really what I want to talk about today is how are the Yankees going to get back to being a serious contender? Because, you know, every year we go through the same thing where the Yankees are one of the favorites, and y'all, you know, amazing roster, uh, top to bottom pitching, bullpen line up. They're going to hit a ton of home runs. And then we fall flat on our face, either in the ALDS or the ALCS every single year. And it's been a recurring thing since 2009. Really what the focal point of this video and podcast episode is going to be is I have my little cheat sheet here because I always forget everything. Today, I'm going to be going over the 10 things the Yankees must do this off season to really get back on track and become maybe that special franchise that we saw from 2009 and previously, that that franchise that consistently was always striking fear in everyone else. So without further ado, let's just get into it. I don't want this video or this episode to be too, too long. I just want to kind of give you the gist of everything that I'm saying. The first thing I think the Yankees must do is end the Gary Sanchez era. And if you look at Gary Sanchez's you know, stats and, and, and how he's performed. It's been a steady decline since really his first full season. Uh, he's a defensive liability. I mean, I don't really have to tell you that everyone in the MLB community or anyone that watches baseball knows that Gary Sanchez is a defensive liability. He can in, in his four, I believe it's his four full seasons as a full time catcher. He's led the league in pass balls three times. He also has a defensive war of negative 0.3 over the last two years. And also one of his claim to fames coming up and, and you know going through the, the minor leagues and going and being the Yankees full-time catcher was his arm strength. While it was like, well, he makes up for his lack of physically catching the ball, which made no sense, by the way, because he's a catcher. You must catch the ball if you want to throw people out. But his claim to fame was that he had a super strong arm and it was super accurate. But this past season. Gary Sanchez was only successful in throwing out 17% of runners that ran against him and the MLB average is 30 by itself. So that's far below average in my opinion the front office and management continue to make excuse after excuse for this guy. I think is enough is enough. He just plain sucks. In my opinion, at this point in his career, like if the guy can bat over, over two ten, it would be a significant accomplishment for him. And I know that some people argue, Oh, he's always in the top 10 and home runs. And, and as a catcher, that's really great. That's terrific. But if you can't be a halfway decent defensive catcher, then I don't want you. I don't care what my catcher hits. He's there to be the best defender on the field, in my opinion. He must be the best defender on the field. And Gary Sanchez clearly is not. And I think the first thing the Yankees really should do or explore, or at least entertain this offseason, is just look at other options. That leads to my my second point that I want the Yankees to really focus on this offseason. And that's sign a good veteran catcher. Whether it be a backup option, whether it be a full-time option, there's a lot of guys out there that actually are pretty good and pretty cheap. If you really want to get down to, a, a, if it's really a money thing for you, let's go into the cheapness of it. The first guy I have, I just have a few examples. Like I said, I don't want to get too much into this, but just some guys to really think about. The first one is Manny Pena. I mean, you know, Milwaukee, Uh, Backup catcher. He played a a significant role this year. He's 34 years old, but he also had a 2.1 war. Now, that includes his offensive and defensive war. And he's also an unrestricted free agent. So, I do have a couple unrestricted free agent options and then a couple maybe club options or restricted free agents. Then the next guy I'm looking at is Jan Gomes. Every single year, Jan Gomes is consistently playing more than. 81 games, and that's the halfway point in a season. Jan Gomes is also 34. He had a 1.8 war in 2021, and he's an unrestricted free agent. And he split time this year between the Washington Nationals and the Oakland A's, and he looked very good in both cities. And then another guy I want to talk about is why don't we bring back Austin Romine? Every Yankee fan remembers Austin Romine as one of the best backup catchers in baseball for a significant time, especially when he was on the Yankees. And you know, 33 years old, under, unrestricted free agent, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, how how much money could he possibly cost the Yankees? So I think those are un, unrestricted free agent possibilities for the Yankees to really consider because I'm not going to lie, I was very disappointed with Kyle Higashioka in the second half of the season. Uh, I'm not even talking about hitting defensively. He was pretty bad defensively as well. There's, especially in the last month of the season, I could remember a lot of throwing errors, a lot of pass balls, you know, a lot of 50, 50 blocks that he definitely should have made that he is capable of making. So I think having the battery mates of Kyle Higashioka and Gary Sanchez really isn't the strongest area for the Yankees. And I really think they need to address that. You look at Roberto Perez on the the Cleveland Indians or the Cleveland Guardians, whatever you want to call them at this point in 2021, really had the luxury of having having the two best defensive catchers in baseball on their roster in Roberto Perez and Austin Hedges. So Roberto, this is also why I believe that Roberto Perez won't be brought back. He had a, a 0.1 war this year, but he's also one of, if not the best defensive catchers in the league. So I don't really care what his batting war is. I just really care about his defense. So if you want to keep Gary Sanchez and you want to keep him around and play half the games or hundred games or 110 games, whatever you want him to do, you really need to have a defensively sound backup catcher. And I think if you want my honest opinion, I think that Roberto Perez would be the best option out of all these guys. That is if the Cleveland Indians or Cleveland guardians Move to not bring him back. So I think that those are some really good options. There are other good options out there as well, but these are the guys that I really thought would would work well in New York. Then that moves that moves me over to my third point, and that's strengthen your greatest asset. That's the bullpen. Gaining. I, I'm not. I'm not saying go out there and get you know, the most, I'm not going, I'm not saying go out there and get Rysel Inglasius and Glacius and ex- sign him to a mega contract. If that's what you want to do, then to each his own, like be that as it may, I'm okay with the Yankees going after Rysel and Glacius. I don't think they need back of the bullpen humongous pieces. I think that they need one or two mid tier relievers that could definitely help. I'm definitely looking at a left-handed reliever. Uh What's it? I mean, the acquisitions of Wandy Peralta. Clay Holmes, guys like that in the middle of the year was tremendous for the Yankees. Like Clay Holmes came out of nowhere and probably was the most clutch. Him and Wandy Peralta. I can't even say. Wandy Peralta really found his groove in New York. He was sensational down the stretch. So was Clay Holmes. I'm looking at a couple of guys. He like, you know Chad Green and Aroldis Chapman were good this year. Make no mistake about it. Aroldis Chapman was good this year. It was really just like six or seven outings in a row that were so bad that just ballooned all of his stats to these astronomical levels. If you take those if you take those appearances out, he's still an all-star closer. And then you got Chad Green who Chad Green I think had like the most decisions for a relief pitcher in baseball this year. I'm pretty sure he was like like 8 and 7 or 7 and 7 he gave up way too many big big home runs uh i mean i love chad green i don't want to see him go anywhere but I think that maybe taking a little bit of pressure off of those guys would be significant. There's a couple guys that I'm looking at right here. I'm looking at Kendall Graveman. I'm looking at Ryan Tapera. I'm looking at Aaron Loop, who had a sensational year for the New York Mets and kind of flew under the radar. I'm also looking at Archie Bradley, guys like that. I mean, don't forget that Zach Burton is still under contract uh, and and he could be coming back fully healthy. That's another huge left-handed piece to the back end of the road the back end of the bullpen that will be added in 2022. I just think they need to explore a little bit more, more options. I would be very happy with one of these guys. I'm really looking, at, maybe they don't need a left-handed reliever again, but I'm really looking for a guy like like Ryan Tappara, Archie Bradley, guys who could eat up innings and that are effective in the middle of the bullpen or the back end of the bullpen. So the fourth point that I really want to talk about today is listen to trade offers for Luke Voigt and Gleyber Torres. I will put Gleyber Torres' stats right now on the screen for you guys. And you could see it's been a steady decline since 2019. Now, one could argue that his move to shortstop has put a tremendous amount of pressure on him, and he's carrying it over to the plate. Uh, This is more of a 2022 offseason move, in my opinion. I don't think that the Yankees, regardless of what kind of deal or uh, prospective deal that they could get for Gleyber Torres... I don't think that they would pull the trigger right away. I think that they are very confident in him at second base and they want to give him a full season back at second base again, because if you guys forgot, Gleyber Torres' fantastic 2019 season where he hit 38 home runs was when he was playing solely second base. So the Yankees have to end that shortstop experiment. He's not a shortstop. He was one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball, if not the worst. Uh, That has to end, but that could be if the move back to second base doesn't work and Gleyber Torres's power uh, stays at a minimal level like it has the last couple of years and he's still making errors. I could definitely see the Yankees looking to trade him at some point, maybe even at the middle of the season or at the end of the 2022 season, barring what happens, of course. But really, this point is more focused on Luke Voigt. Uh, anyone who knows me outside of YouTube or outside my podcast knows that The first thing I said after Luke Voigt led the led the MLB in home runs after the 2020 shortened season was to trade him. His value was never going to be higher than it was then. And the Yankees kind of had a surplus to requirement of infielders, and especially guys who could play a better defensive first base than Luke Voigt. So I was thinking, hey, like, you know, we gave up basically nothing to get him. Now let's flip him while his while his value is never higher. And they didn't, and then they acquired Anthony Rizzo during, during the trade deadline and Luke Voigt's playing time just went into the shitter. Uh, You know, Luke Voigt, obviously he, you know, he had a lot of injuries during the season, so he didn't really get a full chance to play, but I, I will get to this point in a little bit. I think that the Yankees wholeheartedly should go and re-sign Anthony Rizzo to a long-term contract, which would mean that Luke Voigt would once again be the odd man out, especially if uh the Yankees sign an outfielder and John Carlos Stanton has to go back to playing DH, then that really leaves Luke Voigt without a position. So I think you could flip Luke, even though his value has definitely decreased, I still think that you can get something pretty respectable for him. You might be able to get, you might even be able to get a bullpen piece out of it. You might be able to get a prospect. You might be able to get a a back end of the rotation starter. If you throw maybe a prospect or maybe even Glaber Torres in there, if you trade them as a package, you might be able to get a very significant piece if you want to add to your rotation. So uh, you know, I, I think the Yankees should 100% really explore trading Luke Voigt and maybe even Gleyber Torres as well. I personally, this is just me. I think that the, the Yankees should explore trading Gleyber Torres this offseason only because his value is so far down. And then if he has another really bad season in 2022, then his value is going to be even worse and you're going to wind up getting next to nothing for him. I really think that Luke Voigt should be the one gone out of the two, but if a team comes calling and says, hey, we want Glaber Torres and Luke Voigt, then I think that the Yankees should definitely explore a trade with those two guys. And then that brings me to my fifth point. Uh, The Yankees have one of the shortest right fields in baseball, if not the shortest right field in baseball. They're built around the home run, and they have predominantly all right-handed hitters in their lineup. So there's something to that that makes absolutely no sense. And my fifth point is to balance the lineup. The Yankees 100% have to balance their lineup. I have a stat here in my paper that I'm going to read. The Yankees only had eight individual players that played at least one game this year that could bat left-handed. So that's not even really saying all just left-handed hitters. That's some switch hitters. You know, because Andrew Velasquez is a switch hitter. Aaron Hicks is a switch hitter. So you you look at that and think of how many guys took an at bat for the Yankees this year. I, I'm just I'm literally spitballing here. Who knows? Could be 40, 45 guys, and then eight of them can only bat left-handed. That's crazy. Especially when, like I said, you're built around the home run, and your ballpark is literally designed designed for left-handed hitters to hit tanks. So that, that seems like, I mean, I think the Yankees kind of took the hint when they traded for, you know, Joey Gallo. That's a very salivating prospect of having a guy who has more home runs in his career than singles. That is a fact, by the way, you could look that up. Joey Gallo has more career home runs than singles. That's a, that's a juicy prospect having a a, a massive power bat like Joey Gallo hitting a left-handed power bat like Joey Gallo hitting in Yankee stadium. Same thing with Anthony Rizzo. I think the Yankees really tried to tried to take the hit, but it might've been too little too late as they're often sputtered a lot throughout the beginning of the season. And that to to my understanding is, has to do with the fact that the Yankees just didn't have enough left-handed hitting in their lineup. So obviously you look, at bringing back Anthony Rizzo. You could also look at bringing back the ageless legend, Brett Gardner. You could also look, and I will get to this in a minute. You could also look, especially when you need a shortstop and the Yankees, 1,000% should be in the shortstop market. You look at a left-handed bat like Corey Seager, and that's a uh, an extremely fantastic prospect to have a guy like Corey Seager in your lineup at Yankee Stadium. So I really think the Yankees need to balance their lineup a little bit more because you look at their huge power bats, you got Aaron Judge, you have DJ LeMahieu, you have Giancarlo Stanton, you have Gleyber Torres, you have Luke Voigt, Gary Sanchez, all these guys are right-handed hitters. And they're basically playing every single day. Giovanni Urshela, uh, where's the left-handed hitting? I mean, if it wasn't for Brett Gardner, there would be a bunch of games this year where the Yankees had no left-handed hitters in their lineup. So that is crazy to me. That's crazy. So my fifth point is the Yankees definitely need to balance the lineup. Moving down to my sixth point, and it goes hand in hand with what I just said. I think the Yankees really have to re-sign Anthony Rizzo. I think Anthony Rizzo brought a much needed spark to the Yankees. Uh, At this point in his career, He's gonna provide you with more defensive value than offensive value. I believe. I think he's a career 268 hitter. He hit 249 this year. Uh actually very consistent. He hit 249 with the Cubs and 249 with the Yankees. So he's gonna give you around two, two, like when he's in his right mind, he'll give you around 260, 270. And that's fine. For a left-handed hitter, he could in Yankee Stadium, he could probably give you still 20. 25 to 30 home runs and he's a four-time gold glove award winner. I think the Yankees should give him a four a, a 3, 4 or 5 year deal. He's 31 years old or at the time that the that the season will start, he will be 32 years old. You know, you kind of leave him over there and you forget about him for a few years. I'd say at the very least give him a four-year deal. You know, you get him out of here while he's while he's 36 years old and he give you four really solid years of gold glove caliber defense and a left-handed bat. That could hit 25 to 30 home runs when he is completely right. So I think, and that also solves a major issue for the Yankees because you look at guys that have played first base this past year for the Yankees. You have Chris Gittens, who, you know, also is a right-handed hitter and strikes out 9,000 times a game. You have DJ LeMay, who has played every single position underneath the sun for the Yankees. And then you have Luke Voigt, and then really no one kind of made too much sense there except for Anthony Rizzo. And there were a lot of plays that Anthony Rizzo made in his short time in the Bronx this year that saved a lot of runs, that saved some games. So um, number seven, and number seven is probably the most obvious point that I will make. It is sign a real shortstop. Labor Torres is not a real shortstop. That has been abundantly clear since he moved over last year. Giovanni Urcello, while playing very well at shortstop this past year when he played is not a shortstop as well. And then you create another hole at third base. You know, Rugneto door is not a shortstop either. Andrew Velasquez as good as he was as much of a spark he provided. He is not an everyday shortstop at this point in his career. And then you have to wait at least one or two more years for Anthony Volpe. And then you could always move Anthony Volpe to third base, or you can move him over to second base when he is ready to come up. So goes without saying, I have a little bit of a list of guys. I mean, you you, you name them and they're free agents. The free agent crop for shortstops this year is going to be redonkulous. So you have my number one, well, my number two pick really would be Carlos Correa. Yes, I know Yankees fans who are watching. Oh my God, how could you say that you want a Houston Astros shortstop for his playoff experience and playoff performances alone. I would sign the guy to like a freaking eight year contract. The guy is a big game player. There's no doubt about it. And he's also provides good defense and he's a solid hitter through the regular season. He is a better playoff player than he is in the regular season. I will give you that, but just for that alone he would be great. I mean, he had he's 27 years old. He's an un, he's an unrestricted free agent. He had a 6.6 WAR in 2021. I mean, that is some crazy numbers there. Then you move down to my number 1 who I really want and just purely because it takes care of so many things for the Yankees. Corey Seager. Corey Seager is 28 years old, 5.5 WAR in 2021, unrestricted free agent, left-handed bat has I mean, it was clear to me once the Dodgers traded for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner that there would be no spot for Corey Seager in 2022 and I think that that was also a very smart piece of business by the Dodgers to try and get some money off the books because they have like a 900 trillion dollar payroll so they needed to get something off the books there but like I said Corey Seager a humongous candidate there and then my last unrestricted free agent choice would be Trevor, Trevor story. I was gonna say Trevor story that that was terrible. Trevor story, 29 years old, 6.0 war in 2021, unrestricted free agent. Now his splits are the only thing that kind of scare me about Trevor story splits home and away are the only thing that scare me about him at Coors field. He is an absolute world beater. And then away from Coors field, he's really not that great. I think that Trevor story is a great short. I think he's the best defensive shortstop out of the three that I named. Uh, He also provides the most well-rounded – game. I think he could steal you 20 bags. He could play gold glove defense. He could hit for possibly 300. He hits for power as well. I think he's the most well-rounded, but like I said, his splits just scare me too much to really want to throw a bag at him at this point in his career. And he's also the oldest one out of the three. I know 29 is not old, but if you're going to sign a guy to an eight-year contract, you have to think ahead. So he probably turns 30 by the by the time the season starts. Do you really want a 38-year-old shortstop that you're paying probably $30 million to? Uh, at the end of the contract, definitely not. And then I have two trade candidates here as well. I have Paul DeYoung as a trade candidate, and he's an interesting prospect to me because Paul DeYoung has kind of flown under the radar throughout his the whole duration of his career in St. Louis. I think that he is one of the best power shortstops in the game. He also provides really good defense as well. Uh, his average just isn't there. He's not really the greatest contact hitter. That's one thing that might scare me away from trading him. But also St. Louis has a ton of young players that are ready to take places on the main roster and Paul Diong might be a casualty to that. And I think that the Yankees, if they want to explore a trade for Paul DeYoung, could get him for relatively cheap and he is an everyday starting shortstop. And then I'm looking at another trade candidate and it's good old D.D. Gregorius, baby. I think that the Yankees wholeheartedly made a bad, bad decision by not bringing back D.D. after the 2019 season. He's still played some pretty good ball so far in Philadelphia, and he's on the last year of his contract. If the Yankees somehow don't get one of these prize possession free agent shortstops this offseason, I expect them to go the cheaper option. Didi Gregorius is on the last year of a three year, $39 million deal. $13 million for any position in baseball is dirt cheap these days. So I would say that that would be a solid, solid get. I wouldn't hate that if they missed out, like I said, if they missed out on those guys. And that's what they ended up with. I'd still, I'd still feel really great about that because he is a left-handed bat, and Didi is just Didi. He's a fan favorite. Everyone would welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, he's on the latter half of his career. I believe he's thirty-three or thirty-four. But even if it's for a one-year rental, while Anthony Volpe gets ready to take over the shortstop role, I wouldn't be mad at it at all. And then my eighth point, getting down to the the final few po- few parts of this video slash podcast episode. I want to see a little bit of youth. I want to see a little bit of, how do I put this delicately? I want to see some freaking homegrown talent, whether it's on the bench, in the bullpen, the starting rotation, the actual lineup itself. We need to see some blood. Look at guys. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rattle off some things here. So the main point is leave room on the roster for young guns. You know, Estevan Floriel and Andrew Velasquez, Austin Wells, et cetera. So I'm, I'm just going to rattle off some things here that I think within the next couple of years, we should really see on the Yankees roster. So you got Esteban Floreal, who should be the fourth outfielder this year. In my opinion, he batted 320 at bats with the Yankees this year. He's a great fourth outfield option. He's the top of the lineup guy. He provides great defense and he could play center field. Then you got Andrew Velasquez who batted 224, he had four stolen bases. He's a switch hitter and he's also a defensive wizard, might I add. And he also added some kind of some kind of nice crowd spark every time he got into the game because he's a ho- he he's a he's a hometown kid. He's from the Bronx. I feel like everyone stopped and listened and watched when he got up to the plate. And then you have Austin Wells who is the Yankees' top catching prospect. Now Austin Wells is similar to Gary Sanchez. In the in the sense that he is a defensive liability, he will not be a catcher for for very long. He reminds me of kind of like Kyle Schwarber, where Kyle Schwarber was drafted as a catcher, went through the ranks as a catcher, and then when he got up to the big time, they moved him out to the outfield. I think it's a similar thing with Austin Wells, but Austin Wells is a tremendous hitter from what I'm hearing and what I've seen so far in videos. Uh, He could possibly make an appearance in 2022. Uh, he most likely will translate uh, transition. Excuse me to the outfield in the future. And yes, he is a better hitter than he is defender. And then I'm looking towards the the somewhat distant future with these two guys, Anthony Volpe and Jason Dominguez. Uh, the Martian is most likely going is most likely going to be seen in 2023. I'd be absolutely shocked if I saw either one of these guys on the roster at any point in 2022. I'm fully expecting. Either at the beginning of 2023 or in the middle of 2023, to see both of these guys up and starting. Uh, Jason Dominguez could probably play any position on the field. He is an he is a Martian. That's 100%. And then Anthony Volpe could is a defensively really good too. He could play third base. He could play second. He could play short. So anywhere where the Yankees need a good chess piece like Volpe, young, a high draft pick, they could put him. So I think that making space over the this is more like a multi-year thing. For me, making space for these young guys is extremely essential, in my opinion. Look at what the Yankees organization did to Clint Frazier by consistently toying with him. Yes, when he did come up this past year, he was borderline atrocious. I will give you that. But there were some flashes at some points last year and the year before that where the guy could have easily been the starting left fielder. And then the Yankees just cons- consistently either benched him, sent him down, brought him back up, didn't play him you're going to ruin guys like that. So I don't like that. I think once these guys come up at a certain point, they should stay because all of these guys deserve roster spots. You cannot tell me that, you know, Andrew Velasquez can't be a better version of Tyler Wade. You just cannot tell me that he can't be a better version. You can't tell me that at some point Estevan Floreal is not going to take the fourth outfield spot away from Brett Gardner. You cannot tell me otherwise. And then we're moving on to my second to last piece here, uh, fortify the rotation. The Yankees desperately need to fortify the rotation and more importantly, make a roster spot for Luis Hill. Luis Hill played fantastic. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. I'm sorry. Luis Gale, Luis Hill, whatever you want to say, whatever. He was electric when he was up and he was pitching. Luis Hill was one and one with a 3.07 ERA, 38 strikeouts and 29 and a third innings and a 1.33 whip. I would like to see him get that whip back down closer to one. He definitely deserves at least a fight for the fifth starter spot in spring training. Let's give him that at least, because the guy pitched really well when he was up. But I think that Luis Hill is definitely ready to be on an MLB roster. He pitched really well when when he was called. And he was called into action essentially out of nowhere. And he came up and he pitched his heart out and he played well. And I think he definitely deserves at least a fight for uh, at least a roster spot, hopefully a rotational spot this year going into spring training. And then I'm looking at potential free agent fits. Now, now the Yankees rotation isn't really a dire in dire need of an upgrade. In my opinion, I think, Matt Blake and company did everything they possibly could with all the injuries that they had and they did a really good job in my opinion. I mean, you know, Garrett Cole, uh ever since the whole spider attack in- incident was not the same, but Jordan Montgomery is a good pitcher. He's pretty underrated in my opinion, but then you have those instances where Jordan Montgomery could either go 7 innings and, you know, throw sparkling 7 innings or he's going to go 2 innings and give up 7 runs. So he's a little bit too inconsistent for my taste for him being a third starter. At this point, there's a couple uh, potential free agent fits that I like. I like Robbie Ray. I mean, I'm shooting for the stars here on this. These first two Robbie Ray would be sensational left-handed pitcher led the league in strikeouts probably should win the Cy Young in the AL. If we're, if we're really being honest, I think that Robbie Ray deserves to win the Cy Young. Then I'm looking at Carlos Rodon. I mean, Carlos Rodon, 29 years old, left-handed pitcher as well. Uh, You know, he's probably going to get the biggest free agent contract of any free agent pitcher in my opinion. But if the Yankees really like him, I mean, he's good. He's got a devastating changeup. He strikes out of 10 throws 99 from the left side. He is definitely a very good pitcher as well. Then I have John gray who, if you look at his splits, I mean, it's, it's really tough to say how good a course field pitcher is, how good a Rockies pitcher is. But you know, John gray has actually had a, a decent career up until this point. If you look at his splits, when he starts a game home and he starts games away, he is definitely a better away pitcher than he is home. He had a pretty good start to this year. He kind of fizzled out towards the end. But I think that if we're going to spend a minimal amount of money on a somewhat decent pitcher, I think John Gray is a really good name to look at. I think Zach Davies is a good name to look at as well. And I think Steven Matz is a good name to look at as well. If you, if you really, I mean, Stephen Matz won like 16 games this year. I could be wrong. I think anywhere between 13 and 16 games from a fifth starter that you know, that the Blue Jays kind of just threw a little bit of cash at and were like, here, just don't suck. I think Steven Matz has been a somewhat underrated pitcher in his career. I think he got the short end of the stick in Queens. Uh, I would like to see Steven, if if the Yank, for the right price, I would love to see Steven Matz as the the fifth starter of the Yankees. And here I have my my ideal 2022 Yankees rotation here. Uh, We're going with Garrett Cole as the ace, obviously right-handed pitcher Garrett Cole, right-handed pitcher, uh, former ace Luis Severino was going to come back healthy. He looked good in the minimal amount of time that he did pitch this year. Then I'm going to go with Jordan Montgomery as well. I I think Monty did uh, more than enough to fortify his spot in the rotation from here going forward. Same thing with Jamison Tyone. He he got a he, it was a little bit hairy for for at the beginning, and then he really settled into a groove. And Jamison Tyone proved to be a very good back end of the rotation. Rotation pitcher. And then for this fifth start, I just have three options. I'm not going to go crazy. Like I said, these are just like this is just a pipe dream, honestly, for the Yankees to go out there and get a good starting pitcher in free agency. Um, and I have three guys fighting for the fifth for the fifth spot in the rotation. I have Luis Hill, I have Steven Matz if they sign him, and I have Nestor Cortez, who was the Yankees' best pitcher the last six weeks of the season. I don't want to hear shit. Nestor Cortez, nasty Nestor was the best pitcher the Yankees had the last six weeks of the season. 100%. And I think he definitely deserves a chance to be that fifth starter next year if the Yankees want to use, want to stretch him out and use him as a starter going forward. And then my last but not least Thing that I want to see the Yankees do this off season is extend Aaron Judge. Yes, I've been a critic of Aaron Judge in previous not only seasons, previous episodes, but I just wanted to see the guy stay healthy and perform, and that is exactly what he did this year. I mean, I'm not even going to tell you his stats; just look it up. He's north of 290, close to 40 home runs, close to 100 RBIs. The guy carried the Yankees for many, many games. He was their only source of offense. Um. And also I want to see him as a captain. I know that's a little bit of a bonus, but the Yankees haven't had a captain obviously since Derek Jeter, and there's been no one who embodies the spirit and the pride of the pinstripes. I know this sounds so fruity, but no one embodies the pride and the 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 history of the pinstripes who is a better role model for children and anyone who, a face of baseball. Anyone that watches baseball across the country, Aaron Judge embodies the most Derek Jeter I've seen for a Yankees player in some time. So I would love to see not only the Yankees extend Aaron Judge, but give him the captain's armband. I know they don't get an armband, but they just get called the captain, but let him be the captain of the New York Yankees. I think that's really what the Yankees are waiting for is just to extend him and then give him the captaincy. So I, you know, I just came up with a, with a contract that I think would be great for both parties if if Aaron Judge were to resign or the Yankees wanted to give him a long-term extension this season. So I'm going to go with a 7-year extension for 213 million dollars and I'm going to give Aaron Judge the player option to opt out after year 2 or 3 because you know if I mean that's what I I'm I am no math whiz, but that's what 30 million dollars a year You know, if he continues to go on that, if he wins an MVP award and he hits 50 home runs again, and then he does it the year again after that, that he could opt out and get more money. I will give him that option. But I think a nice seven year extension because Aaron Judge is also what, 29 years old. So, you know, he's, he's, he's not the, the springiest of chickens. So you don't want to give an almost turning 30-year-old anything more than that. I think Aaron Judge would understand that as well. And I think that he understands that he's the heart and soul of this Yankees team. And I think that they need him. I think Aaron Judge knows that they need him. And I think that they'll get it done. I think Aaron Judge has done more than enough to earn an extension from the New York Yankees, a big-time extension from the New York Yankees.